0: out of the 24 who were killed, were Americans who had come to learn in the I say one million Jewish children who were made to be cut in Whoever heard such beautiful words, it is never too little. It is never too late, and it is never enough. Jewish History Soundbites, bringing alive the world of our glorious past. Here is our host, live from Jerusalem, Jewish historian and tour guide, Yehuda Geberer. Welcome everyone to Jewish History Soundbites, another episode here with Yehudi Geberer. And today we'll talk a little bit about some anomalies in the history of Hasidus in regards to Rebbitzins or other women who took leadership roles. And interesting, I'll start off with an, a very interesting um, article as part of the magnum opus of a four-volume book called Ha-Chasidus ha written by the great uh, writer and researcher of of Jewish mysticism, of Hasidus, of Jewish history, Shmuel Abba Shmuel Abba who grew up in the Ukraine, and he had uh, strong Hasidish roots, and then later uh, somewhat left the world of Hasidus, and he moved to Western Europe and later moved to Eretz Yisrael. and he, he, um, but he wrote a lot about, um, about the history of of Hasidus, and in nineteen twenty three, he published his four volume book, Hasidus Ha-Hasidim. and in there, he makes a big, um, claim, which he tries to back up, that in Hasidus in the history of Hasidus women found a role um, much more than they had in previous Jewish life. And one of the ways he tries to prove it is with an absolutely fascinating story, a very unique woman um, um, named Chana Ver, Verbemacher, Werbemacher, who later came to be known the Besula of Ludmir or the Maiden of Ludmir and through this through her leadership and her very bizarre story he tried to prove that women had a role in hasidism in fact as we're going to subs- as we're going to see soon it really proved the opposite in other words uh, the the and the the strangeness and the reaction to the story of the basula of Ludmir kind of proved just the opposite, that the, it was it was that it was strange, that it was bizarre, that it was different, and the reaction was quite um reactionary, we'll say it that way. So who was this woman? This woman um grew up in a very comfortable home in Ludmir in the Ukraine and to wealthy parents and she became an orphan at a young age. She must have been quite a talented girl and there's so much myth and legend surrounding her story that it's a bit difficult to separate fact from fiction. But in recent years, quite a bit has been written about her. There's some excellent articles, books, that uh, have come out in the last uh, 20, 30 years about her story. And and she, at some point in her life, at a fairly young age, you know, with her assets, she built herself a shtivel, she built herself a shul, and she started acting as a rebbe. She Prav shaloshudis, and she received visitors and kvitlach and davened and did all kinds of uh, male customs that made her act like a rabbi and and uh, and take a full male role to a certain extent. According to one version, she even put on tefillin. Unclear if that actually happened. But she definitely was acting like any of the male Rebbe's of her day. Now, she lives in the early 1800s. Um, she lived a long life, so she lived till the end of the 1800s. But this takes place quite early on in her career. And the, and she rises to become a Rebbe. And, the, and the many people came to her. She was considered a miracle worker, and a mystic, and a holy woman. And her brachas and her tefilas were working, seemingly. So many people started coming to her. And the reaction from the other Rebbes was a very big. They were very disturbed by this. This was a very, uh, she wasn't married. She wasn't meyuchis. She wasn't related to any of the Rebbes. She came from a simple background. Her father was a businessman and not from any rabbinical or Rebbe background. And here she was, and a woman, obviously. That's, that's the main issue. And here she's taking a leadership role. She's behaving just like a man. So eventually, the one who intervened is the famous Chernobyl Magad Magid, or Matl of Chernobyl, one of the greatest and most famous Rebbe's, tzaddikim, leaders of his days, a, a tremendous personality. All eight of his sons became Rebbe's and they branched out of the Chernobyl dynasty, Rachamas and Trisk, and Skver, and Tolman, many others, a, a, a massive... Um, Ukrainian Hasidus that branched out from the Chernobyl magid and um and he goes to stop her he visits her and he tells her she needs to get married and lo and behold when she gets married uh the marriage doesn't work out but she the reaction and the marriage and everything else it kind of slows her down it, it, it breaks the whole it breaks the momentum of what was happening there of becoming a rebbe, the marriage doesn't work out. She gets divorced. She eventually, it's too uncomfortable in the Ukraine, and she moves to Eretz Yisrael, where once again she rebuilds her empire. She moves to Yerushalayim, She actually lived in, in one of the old Jewish neighborhoods in Yerushalayim, and she continued acting as this tzaddik, as this rebbe, as this, as the bracha geber, She gave brachas, and people came to with kvitlach, and she died in 1888 and is buried on Harazesim, in recent years, they looked for her kever. I think they might have even found it. In recent years, in the in her legacy, somewhat in the secular world, probably under the influence of people like Horodetsky, they made her into this uh, retroactively, into this you know mother of feminism and of women's rights and and her role in society. So the Iriyad, the city of Jerusalem, recently. I think, attempted, or maybe they did. I don't really follow the modern-day uh, current events well. I'm more into the history aspect. They wanted to name a street after her, which it could be they did. So you have to look around Yerushalayim next time you come and, and try to find that street. Or maybe I'll find it and we'll, when I give you a tour of Yerushalayim, I can show you where that street is. And maybe even her kever and Harazesim. You have to make some zgula connected to it and we can really market it well. But in any event, what she what she symbolized was that, to Haradetsky, was that a woman could attain the status of a full-fledged Rebbe if she wanted to. Not only that, but she didn't even have to have the requisite ichas for it, which was astounding. The problem is, is, that thou, is, that, is that that's exactly the problem. She wasn't allowed to continue. She never had a dynasty. She was a, a uh, uh, um, an exception that kind of proved the rule. And the fact was is that as soon as her matul forced forced, he encouraged her to get married, uh, even if the marriage didn't work out, but what really was going on here was that he was telling her to act as her role in traditional Jewish life, especially of the 19th century, of of being a woman. And once she's a woman, she can't be a rebbe. The only way for her to become into a leading tzaddik rebbe role is to as- assume a masculine role, is to become a man essentially. Now, uh, today we talk a lot about becoming a man, becoming a woman. We're talking about in those days of assuming a role of it, of becoming a rebbe. And in order for her to become a rebbe, then she couldn't be a woman. And as soon as she's, as soon as she goes into a regular role as a as a woman. If she co- she gets married, which is what Ramatul Chanabullah wanted her to do, then automatically the whole Rebbe business falls apart, which is what kind of happened even though the marriage didn't work out. So the 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 fascinating story of the Basula of Ludmir actually proves the rule in the fact that it didn't work out and and uh, and she could not become a woman rebbe. That just wouldn't that just wouldn't work. So that's that was an interesting try, but it, uh, it reveals much more um, about, about, about what the role could not have been than what it could have been. But in addition to that, there's another few aspects of it that I want to point out. First of all, was the main issue with this Chana Rachel, was her main issue the fact that she was a woman, or was the main issue the fact that she had no yichis, or was it a combination of both? So I want to examine it from another perspective. Excuse me. So, at a, at a kind of similar time, just about the same time, a drop earlier, one of the great talmidim, one of the great students of the Noam Eli Melech, the Rebbe of died. Remendel of Riminov one of the four big talmidim of the Noam Eli when he died, the one who became the Rebbe after him was not um, one of the great. A big famous tzaddikim of his chassar or his son or someone else like that. It was actually his gabai. It was a very famous personality in the history of Hasidus named Rabhirsh Hirsch or as Hasidim in Galicia called him Reb Hirsch Meshudais. And Reb Hirsch Meshudais became a famous tzaddik. And the reason he was called the Meshares was because he was the helper of of um, Raimendola. He was considered a simple helper. Definitely was not simple. He was a great tzaddik. He was a, a, a tremendous personality. But, and he became the successor of Remendel of Riminov. And many Hasidim went to him. And he ran a full chatzir in Riminov. And what happened? Excuse me, his whole leadership caused controversy. The fact that he wasn't Miyuches, the fact that he wasn't considered someone so great before them. that he was only a Mishares, caused controversy. And in fact, he was one of the last people, if not the last, Rebbe to ever rise in such a strange fashion, because it became not accepted in Hasidus for such a thing to happen. It was it became dynasties. It went to the son, sometimes the son in law, and in maybe, maybe, maybe a close Talmud who was famous as a as a tzaddik, as a Talmud Chacham, not a meshare, it's not someone who was a simple helper or, or seemingly a simple helper of the previous Rebbe. That couldn't happen. That couldn't become the Rebbe. So therefore, if we go back to the basula of Ludmir, the fact that she was a woman was only part of the problem. The fact that she came from nowhere, so to speak, she wasn't connected to any rebbe, she wasn't from any family, she wasn't a miyuchas, she wasn't anything like that, that also worked to her detriment. How do we see that come even more, more clear? Because throughout the history of Hasidis, almost down to modern times, but especially in earlier times, there were many, many women who rose to leadership, not many, many, there were several prominent women, I don't want to exaggerate, there were several prominent women who came to leadership roles in Hasidus, even though they were women. How so? Because they were either sins. they were married to Rebbes, and they somehow continued their husband's legacy after he died, or even controlled their husband's court, Chatzar, or Hasidim, or the finances, or other things, or they were considered a holy woman, even if their husband was alive. Sometimes they controlled their husband themselves, or a daughter, daughter-in-law, somehow someone who was related to a rebbe. And that actually was more common than one would think. And one of the earliest was the daughter-in-law of the rebbe of a very interesting lady named Dachizia Chana Mazel, and she's married to, to uh, um, uh, the the her, her husband was Rebistrol Mazel. Uh, um, who was the son of the Rebbe Rabzisha, but her father, which is more important, was Rav Zev Wolf of Charny Ostroy, which is also in the Ukraine, not far from Anapol, where, where her, where her father in law, the Rebbe Rabzisha, was. It was a local Shidduch. And when her husband died, she became the Rebbe. And she became the Rebbe. She feared Tish. And when she made Tish, she made a Shalashuddish Tish. And the same Rabbatul of Chernobyl who stopped and blocked. The Chanarachal Webermacher, the Besula of Ludmir, from becoming too prominent. The legend goes, and this, these things are kind of hard to prove, but so it's brought down that Ramadul Chernobyl went to her tish and participated in her tish, this this other woman, this Chizya Chanamazo. So that was okay because she came from a family of rebbes, the the Alta Rebbe, the, the first Rebbe of Chabad, the Balatania. His wife was famous for being a very dominant personality, a very controlling personality, very involved in the finances of the Chatzar in li and later in Liadi, and very involved in the succession of who would, her, who would succeed her husband, a very dominant personality. And, and the, these Rebetzins of Rebbes, they played several roles throughout history, in finances and controlling the Chatzar, and in, the, in succession wars. She, they played major roles in deciding who gonna, who's going to be the Rebbe after their husband passed away. And their say held a lot of weight, and they controlled a lot of the decision-making process up down to modern times. The second Rebbitson of the Satmarov, Altafega, who died not long ago, she was co- essentially controlling Satmar, ironically one of the most conservative of all Hasidism in the world today. For many years, even in her husband's own lifetime, after he had a stroke, she was essentially controlling the Hasidim. She even gave brachas from the Ezra Nashim. She uh, was very, very involved in the succession. Um, eventually, moved over to her nephew, which wasn't her first choice, um, the Moshe. Um, but um, but that's that's a whole story in itself. But she was basically controlling the Hasidim. She took in the tf- kvitlach and took care of the finances and was running the Maistis of the Chasidis in Satmer. And that seemed to have been um, by many other Rebs as well. In the early years of Belz, the Sarshalom of Belz, the first Rebbe of Belz, his wife Malka was a very dominant woman in the Chatzir, uh, both in her husband's lifetime and after. And an even more interesting story was the daughter of the Sarshalom of Belz, Adel. And apparently the Sar Shalem of Bells treated her as a son. He even told people she has the neshama of a boy, which goes back to the point that I was making earlier about the basula of Ludmir, is that the only way it's going to work that she can become a tzaddik, she can become a rebbe, is if she's considered a male, she's considered a boy. And here the Shalom is saying, my daughter is really a boy and I'm treating her as a boy, whatever that means, in a mystical sense. And I'm sure there is a lot of mystical things about it and their neshama and whatever it is. But um, but uh, after the Sar Shalom passes away, she feels she should su- succeed her father. And of course, we know the Rebbe Rebbe Shua, the son of the Sar Shalom, becomes the Rebbe in Belz. And she moves with her husband. She's actually married, in a good marriage. She moves to Brod, to the town of Brody, also in, in the Ukraine. And she has a chutzur there, and people come to her for brachis. And then people go wild. She's too radical. This is not good. They said she's possessed by a dibuk, and they have to take care of her. She's insane. And her brother comes to the ceremony and they try to heal her and cure her of this Mishigaz that she is, that she's trying to be a rabbi. Um In Chernobyl, we mentioned the Rattel Chernobyl was already involved in two stories over there, um, both in the Besula of Ludmir and also of um, the Rebbe Rabzish's daughter-in-law, uh, Khan but he and his own family had several uh, children, grandchildren of women, and it seemed to be more prominent in the Chernobyl dynasty more than others, that there were women who seized leading roles uh, when their husband passed away or when it was their son involved. It was his own daughter, um, one of the Trisker daughters, Malka, uh, the daughter of Rome of Trisk, also took a role in the Hasidus um, Rab David of Tolna, Rabbi Tversky of Tolna, who was one of the most famous Rebbes in the Ukraine of the of the uh, Chernobyl dynasty. His his daughter seemed to have been uh, taking a role. There was a daughter, Rabbi Yechanan, of Rachamistrivq, which is also a Chernobyl Aenikl Shendel, that she took a leading role in the finances of the Chatzar. She went on fundraising trips around the Ukraine. She raised money for the Chatzar and Rachamistrivq. And because she was the one who raised the money, so therefore she had control over the Chatzar, she, she was also someone running it. And um, and that brings us to another point. We spoke a lot about Chernobyl and a lot of these Hasiduses that they're in the Ukraine, but probably the most famous woman in the history of Hasidus who didn't run a Chatzar, but she had a major uh, part in the building of Hasidus was the famous Tamarul Sonnenberg, the, the, Tamarul Berkson Sonnenberg, the wife of the of the great Warsaw wealthy uh, financier, banker uh, Berka Bergson. And she, this Tamaril, she funded the courts of all the Polish Hasidus the Chayza of Lublin, the Koznitser Magid, the Yidha Kodish of Psysch, some of Pshishar, later of Kotsk. And almost all the Polish Hasidus was funded by Tamaril. She would give them money, she provided them with food, and she built their shuls. She never took an active role leading the Hasidus, so she's not like the other woman we're discussing here, but she's definitely a very prominent woman in the history of Hasidus. Interestingly enough, the, the, um, the going to Rebetzin's Kvarim hasn't quite caught on, which I think we should start. We do know where a lot of these Rebetzins are buried in different parts of Europe, and I think on my tours I should really offer it as an added uh, addition. We don't know where Tamarul's Kever is, but we do know where other Rebbitson's uh, grave sites are throughout Eastern Europe and Eretz Yisrael. Also, this Chiz Yechana Mazel, um, who I mentioned is the daughter in law of Rebbe of Zishu, became a Rebbe. She's actually buried in Tveria in the Chelka of the Talmide Balshemtiv in the old Jewish cemetery of Tveria, where she died during the great earthquake of 1837. And like I said, the Basula of Ludmir is buried in Hara so this is quite interesting stories. We always know that women play an important role in Jewish history in many, many ways. And there's a lot to talk about that, really. But here's some interesting quirks, both of, the, of these wives and daughters of Rebbe's who tried to take roles in their husband's or father's absence. And of course, of the very unique story of the Besula of Lugmir, who became the unique... Um, real Rebbe for a, for a certain amount of time until it caused too much controversy. So this was Yehuda Geber with Jewish History Soundbites. You can reach me at ygebss at gmail.com for questions, comments, and sources, and of course, to go on tours to see all these places and hear about these people. You could subscribe now to Jewish History Soundbites on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Don't miss an episode. Follow us on Twitter at jsoundbites, and I hope You enjoy.